0: the guy sneezes and he says, Gazante! and then he opens the door <laughs> with what has to be one of the best facial expressions in all of film history with this look that just says, you're fucked, buddy, you screwed yourself. Welcome to Racketopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantees implied. Are your
1: hosts Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott? Hey, how am I supposed to see what you? Holy God, what do you want? I'm taking your train. Hello, 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 hello. hello. This is Recotopia, episode 41. I'm Chris Atkinson. I'm Jeremy Scott. Yep, yep, yep. How's everybody doing today? How you yeah. doing today, Jeremy? I'm I'm doing well, surprisingly,
0: considering I have my extended family including three teenagers uh coming to my house today
1: it's gonna be brutal it's gonna be brutal uh, it'll be good it'll be awesome it'll be it'll be good it'll be good yeah 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 uh but uh hello everybody in the chat once again people from twitch people from youtube coming in and uh and uh uh, giving us uh giving us the the great feedback this time man the comments are hopping Hopping. this morning they're hopping. hopping last time there was like this big delay going on i don't know what was going on but anyway, uh, thank you guys for coming in and uh, experiencing this, this uh, today. Jeremy, do you have any small recommends? It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small, it's tiny, it's petite, it's wee.
0: I got some smalls. I got some small recommends. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is becoming a theme? I, I predict this movie will one day be a big recommend on the show. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, but uh, recently watched 1992's Leap of Faith. Uh, ah. Steve Martin mm. and uh <clears throat> boy do I love this movie. Uh this is about uh a traveling tent revival company that is just a bunch of cynical uh lying money grubbers. The 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 movie makes no secret of this. The opening scene basically shows you that they're grifters cuz he can basically cons this police officer into letting them go. <clears throat> and they need a part. So they pull into this dust town. I think it's actually called Rustwater. <clears throat> um, and uh he decides to just set up the tent and do a revival there while they wait for the part to arrive, even though it's a small town. Liam Neeson, young Liam Neeson, is the mm-hmm. sheriff, and he is distrustful, as he should be, Um <laughs> and ultimately is sort of the antagonist, even though Steve Martin is not a good person. He's right. the protagonist. Um, and it's got some incredible gospel music uh, in the soundtrack and also performed in the in the tent revival. Uh, and it's just a pretty straightforward story of this town that is in drought and it's full of farmers who are suffering and he's taking their money with false promises uh, and doing fake healings. The, the kind of thing they do to trick people is they'll find an elderly woman walking into the revival tent, and they'll say, well, here, sit in this wheelchair and I'll wheel you right on up to the front row. And then later at the end of the show, she's wheeled up on stage and he asks her to stand up and she can walk, of course. But the, in the pandemonium, there's no way for anybody to understand. And so everybody thinks she got healed. Um, mm-hmm. And then I just love the way this movie ends. Um, I don't want to spoil any of it. Uh, if that sounds kind of interesting to you, um, please check it out. It's Steve Martin at his evilist. Mm um but in a very enjoyable way it's a very funny very intelligent movie uh and let me see if i can tell you where you can find it i don't think i can my googles is failing me but leap of faith is at least on one of the movie channels because that's how i saw it
1: i Uh, have somehow never seen this movie before
0: okay well that increases the odds of it becoming a big recommend
1: yeah yeah um there was a period of time where steve martin and it was He had had his pretty big heyday with planes, trains and automobiles and dirty, rotten scoundrels and all those. And then he had these like, I think Parenthood may have been his last really big hit uh, Mm -hmm. for for movies. And then he had this period of time where it was like Leap of Faith and My Blue Heaven and stuff like that, that I just never I never saw. I never saw these. So, yeah, I'll be looking forward to that. I love Steve Martin as well. Yeah. Um, You know, what? Um, I, I
0: need to tell you this cast is great. Philip Seymour Hoffman is in this cast as oh, one of damn. the employees that runs the rigged revival. Uh, mm-hmm. Lucas Haas uh, is in this movie, <laughs> um, as a kid who has, uh, walking braces, who wants mm-hmm. the, the pastor to heal him. Um, it's got a great cast. You're gonna love it. <laughs> all,
1: right. all right. Um, all right. So, uh, I, uh, I took another, I took a trip to the theater again this past week, mm. um, and I went to go see the menu, uh, starring, uh, Ray fines, Anya Taylor, joy, Nicholas Holt, uh, okay. and a gaggle of others, including John Leguizamo. Um, and uh I I never really paid much attention to this trailer. I had a friend of mine who who relayed his review and said he didn't he liked it okay, but he didn't he thought the trailer gave away too much. And I was like, oh, well good. I didn't really pay much attention to this trailer then because I really <laughs> enjoyed the movie. Um and uh and so uh yeah, this uh this this movie has this has that just that it's that great sort of cinematography and mood all the way throughout that makes you just instantly just you just gripped through throughout the whole thing. It starts off very kind of like light comedy ish or whatever, but it starts to get darker and darker as the movie goes along. Um, uh, but uh, a whole this is a, a really exclusive fine dining restaurant that these people are being taken to on an island, and uh, they uh, it's uh, it's headed by Ray Fines. He's the sort of the Gordon Ramsay of this of this restaurant. Uh, he's invited a whole bunch of people. Nicholas Holt is the foodie who like watches all the food programs and knows how you make the food. And he's like, he's like a, an asshole about being a foodie basically. And he's got, uh, uh, he's got Anya Taylor joy with him. Uh, you've got, uh, a, an older couple who, uh, who, who got an older couple there. You've got a food critic, a well-known food critic, um, uh, and then you have a, a group of money men who fund restaurants. And then you have John Leguizamo, the, the celebrity of the, of the group. Uh, John Leguizamo is playing like a a star, like a, a fading star or somebody whose star has faded a long time ago or whatever. Uh, so they all are treated to the first course and the movie's very uh, dutiful about telling you exactly what's in this first course. You know, this is what's, this is, you know, a, you know, bowl of soup with lentils or whatever the hell, uh, they tell you all the different things. And, uh, and it's like, Oh, that's really nice. They get right into this. We get into the food of this. We're going to see a lot of great food in the, in this, in this, in this movie, the first course comes and goes, things are a little off. You can tell right away. You can tell that the, the, the people who work for, uh, Ray fines in this are almost cultish in a way. They're really, really devoted to him. They are uh, they are they are good, like they are too good at their jobs. Like mm. it's if that's possible. Um, they they're they're just a little bit too good and they're dis- and they're sensitive to tiny criticisms that are thrown their way, very mm. sensitive to them. And you're like, okay, what's going on here? So then the second meal comes along, and all it is is just a bunch of flavors that you would put on a bread. They, they Ray Fines tells you. You do not deserve bread. You're not getting the bread. You're getting just to put the flavors that are going to go with it. Nicholas Holt thinks this is genius, of course. Uh, you know, like this is a, Ray Fiennes is always, he's doing his uh, his meals or always tell a story. And by the end, of the end of the meal, you'll know what that story is. But this movie gets darker and darker and darker as it goes along. And Jeremy, you may have already been told about this. This has your trigger in it. Yes, I have been um, told. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and there is a, there is a lot of, uh, a lot of lives on the line by the end of this, at the end of this movie, you would never think you would never think that, uh, the, you know, the way it starts out, but, uh, yeah, uh, the one thing that uh, is the one thing that is about, the, about this, uh, the people eating the restaurant, they are all connected in some way. They don't know what that connection is right off the bat but there is some sort of connection between them and or Ray fines throughout. And this is the Hmm. reason why they're here. Uh, but this movie is very pitch black comedy. So if you don't like your comedy that gets mixed in with like death and gets mixed in with like, uh, you know, like really harsh things being said, then don't, you don't want to watch this probably. But I really dug the kind of the mood, this movie set, it could have been better. Yes, it could have been a little bit better. I thought it, there were some things that I think they could have they could have sold out on a little bit more. But uh, overall, really enjoyed this. Annie Taylor Joy continues mm-hmm. to r- just have this meteoric career, and I think she's great in this. Um, mm-hmm. Nicholas Holt, who I never thought would be like somebody that I would be like i enjoy seeing him in every movie i like he's every time he shows up now i'm like yes nicholas holt i love this guy yeah like i never thought i would i mean about a boy remember about a boy yeah. i was like okay that kid he, he may do something so he may be something someday i don't know but now every time i see nicholas holt i'm like i know i'm gonna love his performance i know i'm gonna love his character all that and ray Finds, i think ray Finds, uh pulls out one of his best performances he's he's done in a long time and mm. and uh because he's been in a lot of franchise movies and stuff that's yeah. where we've seen him a lot and you don't get a chance to really stretch in those and I think right. in this one I think he's doing a really good job so the menu
0: I really the enjoyed you I think Nicholas Holt well, it was it was Mad Max Fury Road and then the favorite those two yeah. performances were like basically he can do anything and um yeah. I'm the same way and I also saw an interview with Anya Taylor-Joy a, a, a snippet. I think it was a British talk show that Graham Norton guy or whatever, where she was talking mm-hmm. about. And the headline is Anya Taylor Joy talks about what it was like to become famous during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so we're probably talking about the the Queen chess show, uh, and, <laughs> and, and and then Queen's uh, Gambit, yep, and then the uh, Edgar Wright twirly dance movie. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but, last uh, night in Soho to me she was famous before the pandemic like because she was in a couple m night movies and then she was in the Vovich, and she was in, was, Itch, yeah, she was she in, was in
1: uh, uh one? she was in split and she was in uh the uh glass, thoroughbreds. And glass. <clears throat> what <clears throat> and thoroughbreds <clears throat> oh okay i never saw that one that's pretty good um, But yeah, she did. She, the, the the Vovich is the one that I remember first seeing her in. And (laughs)
0: we're never, never going to stop saying that.
1: We aren't, we aren't. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, then she shows up in, in the split and glass. And uh, I think Queen's Gambit though, got her to a more mainstream audience. Yeah, you're probably right. And there were, you know, uh, as, as well known as those movies, those three movies we mentioned, or the, the four with the thoroughbreds, much as they're known, they weren't known to you know the your neighbor or whatever who goes hmm. to watch a movie every like once a year or something like that. So, but yeah,
0: absolutely. I uh, I want to bring to you another sixty four on Rotten Tomatoes, which was the same for Leap of Faith, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I feel like I have to preface this because I think. The audience and you, Chris, might think that I'm seeking out movies with Caitlin Deaver or Zoe Deutsch, and I'm I, not. I think
1: you are, actually. I think you are. <laughs> but 2017... And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh,
0: 2017 was a movie called uh, Before I Fall, so starring Zoe Deutsch. Mm-hmm. And this is as straight up a Groundhog Day riff um, as you can get. I think it's Groundhog Day meets that Ashton Kutcher parallel back in time reading my notebook. Um, God, I'm, I just unplug my headphones I'm having a great day. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Anyway, Zoe Deutsch plays a teenager who uh, her and her friends are bullying this new girl named Juliet. And they're at this party and they pour beer on her it's pretty cruel. Uh, and then they get in their car to go home and they have a car crash and presumably die. But then she wakes up and she's like, Oh, it was all a dream. And then she's going about her day. And she starts to see similarities to the previous day and they go to the party they leave a little later this time they still get a car crash and die <clears throat> she wakes up the next day and she starts learning more about this juliet person she had died i think the car hit her that's the part of the crash where she was walking with the all over her and they ran into her and killed. Her. So mm-hmm. they avoid the car crash on the third loop, because Zoe Deutsch steers them away. They do like a sleepover. Uh, but then uh, the, the girl, uh, Juliet, uh, she commits suicide. And so Zoe Deutsch begins to believe that nothing she does matters. She's, she can't change anything. And very much like Bill Murray, there's a whole section where she starts doing whatever the fuck she wants during these loops and humorously starts just telling everyone off, about everything she's ever thought about them um, because she knows it won't matter and she'll wake up and do the day again. Um, And that's about all I really want to say. If that sounds intriguing to you, it's on HBO Max. Um, She is the star of the film, and she's great as she is in everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you like her and Groundhog Day Riffs, which I do, I think you will enjoy this movie Um, and it's uh, I already said it's on HBO Max It's called Before I Fall.
1: (laughs) it's crazy we're gonna have uh my next recommend is actually going to be a pretty good double feature for this movie actually. oh interesting <laughs> um uh so we've never done that before and this was completely by accident because i've never seen before i fall i had no idea what that was about <laughs> um uh so um I, so, so yeah i am interested i i always tend to love this uh this groundhog day type of narrative uh thing like almost i mean i think i've seen one version of this that was like eh kind of was kind of like and i don't even remember what the name of that movie was but like it was just it was kind of like eh everything else seems to be like excellent you know, that's all edge of tomorrow recently again yeah, yeah and that's movie still just amazing to me yep. and uh, uh but uh but anyway uh, the one that i'm going to see is criterion channels doing this thing with uh movies for, i guess uh i think it's sony pictures classics and they're giving them some some due for the movies they came out with in the 90s and one of them is run lola run oh my god which i i had seen a long time ago but i wanted to. Uh, I wanted to give it, uh, and it's is even like that before I fall poster too. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you could put them by side by side, but <laughs> the, uh, uh, but, uh, but like the, uh, run a little run. I was like, man, uh, I want to get, I want to, I want to watch something that's good and watch something that's really quick. And this is an hour and 20 minutes. And I was like, mm. yeah, we're going to watch this because it's going to just take no time whatsoever. But, uh, This movie, uh, stars Franca Patenta, uh, who you may know from the Bourne movies. And, uh, I don't know, is she known for much else around here? Maybe
0: not in America. I don't think.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, she is on the phone with her boyfriend and her boyfriend says that he he's picked up, he picked up some money for some gangsters. And then she wasn't there for some reason that kept her back because there was some other, something that was hanging her up. And because she wasn't there and because he had so much money in his, in uh, on his person, he decided to walk back to someplace and he got on a train. And when he got on the train, cops came on the train and he got off the train and the bag was left behind. And all he could see after that was a homeless dude, looking at him on the train as the train goes off. So he knows who's got it. He just doesn't know where that guy is. Problem is he doesn't, he's going to have, he has to have this money by noon on this, while they're having this phone call. He has to have the money by noon or else this gangster's going to kill him. <clears throat> and she's 20 minutes away. And she's like, don't do anything until I get there. But he's thinking about knocking over this grocery store to get all this money back so that he can pay this gangster off. And she wants to get there before he does that. So she hangs up the phone and it's like all of a sudden it's like this pulse pounding, you know, and she's running and she's going through all this stuff. and, And each time she when she goes through this thing, the first time she just misses this one car that's about to come out and hit her. Uh, and every time she interacts with anybody on the street, the movie shows all these like photos of what happened to that person afterwards. It's a kind of an interesting little wrinkle that they throw in there. Like some of them like, oh, they found love and they got married or, oh, this one, this one got a drug overdose or this one, you know, there's so many different little like things that they add to that. Of course, on the first, first go around, she gets there. She gets to the phone booth like just too late. And the guy goes in the grocery store and he starts to, he starts to rob it, but he gets stopped. And then it ends up, it ends up, I think she dies. And then like each one of these things like has an interlude where she's in bed with Manny and they're talking their future out and everything. And it's like, and she's basically saying, I don't wanna end it this way. And then it goes to back to the beginning of the phone booth thing. And she's gonna mm-hmm. start doing different things now to to try to to try to uh, get the money and uh she has this uh i think in the first in the first one she tries to go to her her dad who runs a bank and his da- her dad's got his own thing going on where he's been sleeping with this woman and she's about to tell him that she's pregnant and and Drew, there's like four different times run, Lola goes through this thing and like, there's times where the woman gets to say that she's pregnant to the guy. There's other times where she doesn't get to say, oh. there's, and it changes things ever so slightly enough. Uh, it's I, I, This movie's great because it's not, of all the Groundhog Day sort of like, uh, I guess, knockoffs, if you want to call it that this one doesn't focus on like millions of turns. This one's got four different times that she does this. And each one has its own little variations to it, uh, as she tries to stop uh, her boyfriend from from robbing the store. And, and uh, it's just, it's a fun, fast paced movie. I love it a lot. Um, uh i want to own this one i don't know if there's a blu-ray of it out there but uh this is a this is a really good movie and i could see us big recommending this one
0: someday i uh i watched this with josh um 1999 i guess as soon as it came out on home video um didn't see it in the theaters and loved it and i have not ever seen it again so you have just spurred me uh, to goose that movie up toward the top of my list because I remember loving it, but I don't remember anything about it. And you yeah, it sound good.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I mean, it's so quick and like, it's so amusing throughout. It doesn't waste any, like it doesn't waste any of its time Well, uh, in, in this thing. And so, uh, and, and Franca Patenta is, is, uh, I, I wish I, I wish I'd seen more of her over the years. I've only, I, like, I can only think of that born, born identity. And maybe there's maybe some other movie I'm, I'm not thinking of. Right well, now,
0: she's but. in the second, well, she's in supremacy for like the first 15 minutes yeah. and then she dies. Right. Uh, but there is another movie I've seen her in. Uh, I just don't remember what it was, but, I, uh, but, uh, she's great
1: yeah uh so anyway uh all right all right so let's uh go on to our big recommend which is uh the taking of pelham one two three i'm fine i'm fine it's just that you're so big it's so huge it's a good rule but this is bigger than rules it's bigger on the inside is it i noticed um
0: you had not seen this before right i had not i have actually seen the denzel uh john travolta one twice but i have never mm. seen this before sunday uh, and i can't wait to talk about it. you go
1: yeah um this one is uh this one is very very simple basically robert shaw has a gang of people that he has that's going to hijack a train and what he wants is a million dollars or else he starts killing everybody on the one car that he separated from the train and uh they all go by colors if you're a reservoir dogs fan i am almost certain quentin tarantino lifted this color thing color scheme it has to have from this movie uh but uh robert shaw plays blue and uh martin balsam plays green hector elizondo plays gray and for you home improvement fans yes. <laughs> earl hendman <laughs> plays brown He's the half face neighbor uh, in Home Improvement. That's going to hit like probably zero point five percent of our audience. But uh, it it was so interesting to see that this guy had other things he did than yep. be the half faced neighbor uh, in Home Improvement. But uh, he he leads this uh, this gang into into this train, and he's got they've got everything he's got everything he's got all the details martin balsam plays a guy who used to run trains so he knows all about how to ride, drive them and everything he knows all the different you know the the he knows all the protocols and all that he got fired because they thought he was uh, smuggling drugs or whatever which is a really funny scene in there where Shaw asks him, like, why'd they fire you? And he's like, well, they said that was smuggling drugs. And he's like, they never had any proof I did it or anything. Was like, did you do it? No, I'd never do anything like that. And here <laughs> he is sitting here robbing a train uh, or hijacking a train so that he can get money. Uh, meanwhile, Walter Matthau plays the uh, cop who is the transit cop, the head of the transit cops. Uh, and he's going to have a basic day, it looks like. He is just going to be showing this contingent of Japanese guys like who run a subway in Tokyo. Uh, he's going to show them all around the New York, the New York subway map. And, uh, and that's all he's doing. He's sitting there talking through the whole thing. He doesn't think that they he under they understand a word he's saying. Of course, there's the big surprise at the end that they have been understanding everything he's been saying, even all the racist stuff he's been saying throughout the whole thing. Uh, but he's been he's showing them through all of this, and meanwhile, the you know the the people who are actually uh, in charge of all the the different. Uh, you know, where the trains are and, and telling the conductors what they need to do and all that stuff, that big control board. They've, they've heard, they, they see this one, this one train that's doing some weird shit. It stopped and then certain parts of the cars have come off and it's going backwards and all sorts of stuff. And they send, they send one of their dudes down there or it's one of the guys like basically sends himself down there. And this is what I, what what I want to get to in the heart of this movie everybody in this movie is such a fucking frazzled new yorker i <laughs> love it so much i have a Every- note
0: about this guy the guy who volunteers himself to go down there and check it out and how he literally barks at everyone he passes he's got some kind of sharp word for it. it's freaking yeah. hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah mm. exactly he's it's, it's like it's like you know like and and then you have the other you have another guy who's like you know who's who, who, first gets the call from Shaw and like, uh, and, and Shaw's like, he wants money and everything. He's like, yeah, bullshit. You want money, whatever, ma- whatever, pal, you know, he's just, like, he's just talking back to this dude. Like he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know. He, he doesn't even know how dangerous this guy is because it's New York. Apparently this is one of the funniest things in the movie is when Shaw first pulls out his gun and says, this is a hijacking. They all laugh at him at first Yeah, yeah. because, Hey, we live in fucking 1970s New York. Do you think this is going to scare us? (laughs) Um, But I just love how everybody's just so gruff and so just miserable and everybody just talks back to each other. There's no, there's no like friendliness whatsoever. Like it's kind of friendly in a way because it's familiar because everybody probably interacts with each other this way all the time. But Mathis, ends up being on the radio with and he's like, uh, and he's just like kind of bored with this almost like, all right, pal, what are you going to do? Are you going <laughs> to, you you, you you think you're going to get this money out of the subway? What the fuck do you think you're doing? You know? <laughs> it's, uh, and, and, uh, and, and Shaw's very confident. He's like, he's like, you know, I am going to be taking this money out. You know, you, you can't stop me from doing it. Uh, but they have a limited amount of time. They have an hour, in fact, to, somehow go to a bank, get a million dollars in this like really complicated manner and take it to the train. It's almost, uh, it's almost like in speed where Dennis Hopper is like, like making things super impossible. And and Keanu Reeves is like, well, you know, if he, if we give him the money, he wins. If he don't, if we don't give him the money, he wins because he gets to kill a lot of people. And that's, that's, uh, it's almost feels like that in a way, but, um, but yeah, so he gets an hour to do it. And that's another thing I love too. It's like it's like uh, Walter Matthau keeps on trying to bargain with this guy, saying, like, you know, kid, you gotta give us more than an hour. he's like, Your rules were very complicated. You're gonna have to <laughs> give us <laughs> like, you're gonna give us an extra 15 minutes. And Shaw is like, you know, if you it's like he's like, you, he he ends up telling Balsam, he's like, Why don't you just give him the 15 minutes? And Balsam's asking him, and he goes, he goes if if you tell them two hours, it's going to take them two hours. If you tell them one hour, it's going to take them an hour. It's like this is the this is the time that I've given them, and they're going to have to they're going to have to abide by that. And eventually, it gets to this point where you know he Mathow does successfully bargain some minutes on all of this, but uh, it's just a very exciting, tense movie throughout. Uh, I I haven't we I don't think I've seen a, a bad guy like Shaw. Uh, Uh, very much over the years, who's just very cool. He's, you know, he's, you know, he's a man of his word and he doesn't like burst out into anger or anything like that. He's just very, very cool about I'm going to get this money and it's not going to be a big deal. And, and uh, you know, and I'm going to get away with it. And if I don't get away with it, I don't want to, I don't want to do this other. He said something like, I can't remember what other job he was saying uh, he was going to do if he, if, if he didn't do this or whatever but he doesn't want to live a normal life anymore and it's it's pretty apparent that it's this or bust uh so um uh so yeah i uh i, I have seen this uh, two or three times now in my life what did you think of this movie jeremy
0: i loved it i loved it this is the not fucking around movie like the 70s one of the things i love about 70s movies is they just they don't fuck around like you said this is a very straightforward movie the, the opening has very little dialogue for the first 10 minutes or so just mm. really good score and it's telling you what what world you're in by showing you um <clears throat> and it's not a, a super long movie like the the Travolta Denzel one has a wildly different ending um, that is yeah. way overly complicated. They also write this whole storyline in for Denzel, who's playing the Mathau character, that he's being investigated for some kind of slush fund or something. Uh. Um, and uh, that's not needed. Mathau Matthau, just he's perfectly frustrated and flat frazzled we don't need like a boss over his shoulder going you're still under investigation you um uh, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. unnecessary modern movies do that kind of thing all the time yeah. um even even the end of the travolta denzel one travolta's playing the main bad guy uh blue mm. and instead of touching the track himself to end his own life like He's trying to get away with the money on a bridge at the end of that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas this movie, I actually, okay, so that guy dies. And they they start to, I'm spoiling the movie for everybody who hasn't seen it. Um, Matthau and his buddy decide to go investigate these nine guys that used to work for the railroad yeah. <laughs> that may have been involved in the heist. And I literally am thinking to myself, you're going to end this movie this way after that climax? But then when they get to dude's apartment and he keeps like hiding the money and thinking he's going to be discovered. And it's clear that he's being overly defensive, but they don't have anything. And then Mathias closes the door and the guy sneezes and he says, Gesundheit, and then he opens the door. with what has to be one of the best facial expressions in all of film history. With this look that just says, you fucked, buddy, you screwed it's so yourself, priceless. it's over, and the movie ends right there. Yeah. And I cackled, I was laughing for minutes. Um, every I love you're talking about how everybody's angry and frazzled and everybody Mm. I wrote everybody has character here like the the grand tower supervisor who ends up eventually dying yelling at everybody as he goes through the subway he's just an asshole you got the mayor mad about missing the newlywed game yeah Uh, later on there's a section where he goes shit piss fuck and (laughs) it cuts to another scene uh I just love how everybody is angry and they get even angrier as it goes along. Like this, there's this dude that works for Mathow that does not care about these 18 lives at all. He is vehemently a- apathetic about that in favor mm-hmm. of getting his trains running again. Um, and it's really over the top, but it does lead to a fun confrontation at the very end. Uh, but that anger becomes palpable. Um, and it's almost contrasted with the scenes on the train where... Like you were saying, the, the head bad guy is completely calm. Um, and it's kind of quiet until, you know, one or two moments of violence break out. Uh mm-hmm. but the contrast there is interesting. The bad guys are calm and the good guys are all friends. I guess that's probably how it is when you spend time well, doing you, all that. Planning.
1: You can you can tell how cool Shaw is right off the bat, because he's waiting for the train at the very beginning where the where the front car is going to be and uh, this black guy comes by and 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 starts waiting for the train and shaw starts staring at him and the black guy turns to him and he says hey dude what you never seen a sunset before and i just <laughs> died laughing on that one and shaw he at, in, i think in most I think in most movies you're going to see that, Oh, he's serious. He's so dead serious. And he doesn't like that. He doesn't like that someone joked at him, but he even cracks a smile uh, when, when that guy says that, um that there's a, there's an unbelievable amount of humor in this movie considering what kind of like gr- grungy place we're in at the time. I, 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 I hear that it, could have been even more grungy. They wanted to have the subway cars have trademark graffiti on it, basically, because back in back in this day, all the subway cars had graffiti all over the place. And apparently right. the uh, apparently the uh, the New York uh, transit system said, "Here, have some clean ones. We don't want everybody <laughs> thinking there's graffiti on everything," uh, which is weird because as soon as you walk onto a subway in 1974, it's what you're going to see. Yep. Um, but uh but there's a there's i also love the fact that there's like there's like people that just pop up in this that you're like what like jerry stiller is in this (laughs) and if you're used to a seinfeld character yeah uh it's 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 like weird to see him play like a straight up role like this yeah Yeah. uh um uh then you have like you have james broderick who's matthew broderick's dad is, is uh is uh is the conductor who leads all the uh, other passengers off uh, oh, okay. through the tunnel, uh uh you know there's and then you have uh a Tony Roberts who is a mainstay in all the 70s movies, especially like Woody Allen films. But Tony Roberts almost steals this movie uh, when it's not when it's, when it's not Mathow on screen or Shaw and it's him, it, it, he, he definitely steals the non, like the, the non main parts. Cause he's the guy, he's the vice mayor, but he seems to be the only guy who has it together in this whole thing. There's a point where he's sitting there. Like, he's like, he's like just begging the mayor to come up with a decision about this money already. Like, go ahead and give these guys their money. Who cares? And, uh and the mayor's like, I think we should, Give them the money, and he's like, "Oh, thank Christ!" You know, <laughs> <And> he starts <laughs> he starts sending everybody off to do their thing, and he and it's like it's like the the guy who seems like he should really be in charge isn't. You know, a lot of people also think that uh, the guy, the main, the mayor, is playing uh, Ed Koch. Mm. Uh, in this but ed Koch did not get elected until like 1978 or something but apparently the dude looks enough like ed Koch that after the after the fact people think that he's that's who he's playing throughout this whole thing but uh doris roberts plays his wife uh, oh wow uh, in, in this so this is like another one where it's like wow there's a lot of people in this that are just kind of in you know very minor roles but i really enjoyed i really enjoyed that uh, uh playing spot the uh 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 spot the uh the semi-famous person or famous person in this movie
0: i uh for a brief moment i flashed into nitpicking mode when (laughs) the police car is racing with the money to get there in time and i'm i'm like you they do say the line which go to this bank we've worked with them a bunch Uh, which suggests that bank would be more willing to donate a million dollars, but that is the furthest away bank in all of New York City that they have (laughs) to drive for that long with escorts. And then it leads to what I think is a sweet bit of continuity because that car flips and wrecks and they give the money to the motorcycle cops and say, take it on. And then at the very end of the movie, Mathow and his buddy go out to investigate the the nine guys and they drive by that scene and the mm-hmm. car is being flipped back over by a big machine that yes. didn't have to do that there's no reason right. for that but i i appreciated the callback to like yes what you do in new york does have an impact and it takes hours mm-hmm. to repair and fix and get the traffic yeah. going again um but i did think they probably could have found a. a bank closer to the scene
1: (laughs) there's no doubt yeah they also do this
0: thing with the money where they show it being counted by a couple different machines and then after that they count it all by hand yeah (laughs) like you you count if you're gonna count by hand at all you count by hand first and then you verify with the machine (laughs) you don't do it in reverse anyway uh i loved the movie i thought it was uh perfectly sparse in what it was showing me and giving me um there's not a lot of flash again if they made this movie today which they did with denzel and john Travolta, they blow everything out of proportion and have this big showy dialogue driven standoff on a bridge whereas this one just gives that look god God, now denzel could have done a cool look if he'd been Mm -hmm. given that scene in that movie but he's not but that was one of the best looks i've seen in any movie anytime. that was my biggest takeaway i could not stop laughing about i think uh, i think
1: yeah i think robert shaw's death in this is one of the most horrifying things i've ever seen yeah i i it it it, it's it's we the you know they they've taught they talk about the third rail quite a bit in this i'm actually surprised more people don't die in the third rail considering how many people are walking through the tunnels in that one in that one scene and how much stuff's going on all in all through the tunnels but uh but you know, Shaw, like, you know, he's, he definitely doesn't want, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about death. It's quite clear in this. Yep. Um, he it's either, I'm gonna have 250 grand to spend for the rest of my life, or I'm just gonna die because I'm not gonna do this other bullshit that I was thinking about doing. And he just, he just steps on the rail and then you see Mathaus look like, oh, and yeah. then, and then Shaw's just kind of got this, just like determine like all right well this hurts this sucks (laughs) but it'll be over soon um uh so it's one of the most horrifying things i've ever seen in my life but anyway yeah uh not not much to delve into with this movie other than the fact that it's great it's very quick it's very uh it's it's just solid all the way around the characters as you mentioned everybody's got character everybody's a a fucking just annoyed new yorker and it's great it's liberating to watch it um and uh and uh the 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 heist is very simple and uh and uh, everything is easy to follow and i i i love this movie uh a lot that yeah the remake is fine the remake is totally fine i didn't yeah. i didn't have a problem with it it's just it's not this right. uh, uh so anyway hope you guys enjoyed it as well now it's time for the double feature. Be very very quiet. Secret. What secret? A dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told
0: anyone. All right, so there's so much radio back and forth conversation in this movie, right? Even when they decide to pay the money, they have to relay that through like five different radios. Like they call the cop, the cop calls the other cop, that cop calls (laughs) Math Al, calls and for that reason in the train connection alone I almost went with unstoppable uh, um, which is mm-hmm. another Denzel Tony Scott film that has a shit ton of radio conversations back and forth between Kevin Dunn in his conference room and Rosario Dawson in the headquarters and then people on the trains and then the the the, the guy in the red truck who's out racing the train who's kind of a hillbilly um but there's no heist there and I feel like a double feature of taking a Pelham one two three needs to have some kind of heist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went with another Denzel film, uh, The Inside Man. Um,
1: yes, I thought about <clears throat> this
0: too. Uh, Spike Lee, in my opinion, it's my, my favorite Spike Lee movie and mm-hmm. it's not a traditional Spike Lee movie. Uh, but there was a bunch of bank robbers who take some hostages, who have a plan more convoluted than the cops will be able to figure out in time uh and there's a bit of a standoff um and i just think the mood and tone uh, of these two movies is very similar and would be a nice complimentary piece i agree if you have not seen the inside man i highly recommend you check that out it is fantastic Mm
1: -hmm. yeah it really is uh I, i i was sitting there thinking the same thing through this inside man would be an excellent excellent uh double feature to this i'm glad you brought this up because yeah um uh real good stuff talk about talk about an envious uh, afternoon of movies is watching taking a Pelham, one, 2, 3 and inside man that's amazing i right see there. some people asking
0: why i didn't go with money train or speed and those are both great i thought about both of those during watching this movie i just i felt they were a little on the nose i wanted to go my own mm-hmm. i wanted to
1: go my own way <laughs> yeah you know what's funny i think in the trivia for this on the imdb it said that uh they they were, there were i guess the uh new york city uh transit was uh a little uh worried that people might get ideas oh, no. watching this movie and nothing ever happened but when money train came out someone did try to do the heist for money train so oh, wow. like so that it was like i guess they're fears were founded but not for the right movie i don't know it was uh it's it, that was a weird thing to to come across i'm surprised that trip. doesn't
0: happen more often people trying heists from movies like that oh, opening yeah. uh heist in usual suspects where they right. robbed the yeah. money truck i'm surprised yeah. that hasn't been mimicked um yeah not that, not that i'm encouraging anyone to do crime that would be terrible <clears throat>
1: yeah and uh, by the way jagged says i think i would go with the french connection it has the second best car chase of all time after the matrix reloaded of course for those of you who remember our movie fights with all trailers, that, that was a reference to that uh but uh yeah um uh so what is uh what's gonna be uh, next week's homework
0: all right next week we're gonna watch a movie i have not seen in 20 years um, it is an all-time classic, 1957's 12 Angry Men."
1: Yeah, mm. this is good stuff.
0: This is Sidney Lumain's directorial debut, um, from what I'm told on the IMDb. It, it is about right. 100 on the Rotten Tomatoes. It is set in a jury room deliberating after a murder trial, and it's one of the best films of all time. I want to see it again. Um, mm-hmm. I also get to show my brother's kids some movies whenever they come and stay. And this is, I think a good one that might uh, entertain and show that black and white movies from the 50s can kick ass and don't have to be old timey and lame. Um, Mm. You can watch this for free in a host of places, but you're probably going to have ads. You can watch it on Tubi, on Pluto, and on Amazon Prime Freebie, um, you can also rent it at any of your usual uh, streaming rental places for two or three ninety nine. <clears throat> that is your homework for next week, and I think we have time for some questions.
1: Question: I got something to say. I want the truth.
0: I am listening. What, in your opinion, is the worst Best Picture winner, and what movie would you give the award to instead?
1: All right. Um. Uh. So for me, I think. I think the worst one, and this is, this is going on like a fading memory here, but I remember going through, uh, watching a bunch of best pictures at one point, And I thought that out of Africa was one of the worst best pictures I have ever seen. Now I could probably go back and watch out of Africa and think, Oh, that's actually really good. I didn't, I gave, I I was in a bad mood that day when I watched it, but I, it, it won over the color purple and i think the color purple is a way better movie than out of africa is uh i think if the color purple had come out i mean if these two movies had come out maybe 20 years later color purple would have ended up winning it but uh but uh i yeah I, I wasn't a big out of africa fan uh at all so um uh, so that's the one that i that's the one i picked very good
0: very good choice it's interesting that before the show we were talking about broadcast news because it did not win best picture and it lost to the last emperor which yeah when i finally saw the last emperor a year and a half ago it bored me to tears it's
1: um it's long and boring
0: yes and it's uh you know it's beautiful but uh broadcast news i think stands the test of time both in the way it's human emotions play as well as what it has to say about news because all that all of that biting commentary is still true today um yeah. and that should have won and i'm seeing crash obviously here in uh, uh yeah. crash over broke back uh, yeah
1: that's not that I, I think if the academy had a redo they would definitely do broke back over crash uh, and crash may not even get nominated but um uh but i think there's i think a lot of people were pointing out when crash got nominated the way the academy rules were like there's so many people in crash and so many mm. people associated with the people who were in crash <laughs> that it was it was one of those things where like oh i know that movie and they just you know they kind of gave it you know more credit than you have
0: people who were like i like sandra bullock and then you have people who like i love ludicrous and they all yeah. voted for that movie
1: <laughs> right right uh so yeah i i, I uh <laughs> The, by the way, the last emperor that's that, that academy awards, that 1987 one, I guess was in 1988. The, uh, that Oscar telecast was the first Oscar telecast that I ever watched. Oh, wow. And, uh, it was, uh, it was it was, uh, for a 10 year old, it was, it was, or it was, or a 10 or 11 year old. It was weird because every category was the last emperor empire of the sun last emperor empire of the sun and i was like i've heard the word empire or some form of it a million times by the end of this end of this thing uh but anyway uh yeah
0: all right let's move on to another question does the runtime of the movie have an effect on your decision to watch it
1: uh nowadays yes Mm. uh used to be no it doesn't but now now i have to figure out where i'm going to fit this three hour movie or this two hour, 40 minute movie or whatever. Mm. And, and, and if it gets past two and a half hours, I'm usually pretty reticent to go to a movie theater and watch it. And then Mm. I'm also fairly reticent to watch it at home unless there's just nothing to do. Mm. Um, and that's rare these days. It's so rare. Uh, I don't like, uh, you know, I was spoiled through 20 years of movie theater, uh, uh, watching movies on my own, Not having to deal with customers or anything like that uh watching movies on thursday nights with with nobody around to do anything stupid and now it seems like every theater i go to every time i every time i go to any auditorium there's like people talking and stuff and i can't even imagine that for two and a half to three hours uh count me as one who may not be going to avatar (laughs) during well
0: it's three hours and 12 minutes long and And Cameron is out here bragging in interviews about how he cussed out the Fox executive who asked him to make it shorter. (laughs) He said, get the fuck out of my office. And then he's also, I think, bragging about how the movie has to be the fourth or fifth highest grossing movie of all time just to break even. And that means he's spending so much money and he's kind of cocky about it. And it's not going to happen, but I'm kind of hoping that it doesn't do what he hopes. Well, if this
1: the well, you know why you're kind of secretly hoping this is because Hollywood is going to take the wrong lesson from this movie succeeding. Yeah. Like Cameron is sitting there talking about like, oh, look at this new 3D technology and how I'm implementing it, and it's a uh, it's amazing. Hollywood isn't going to be sitting there going, well, everybody's going to be shooting a 3D movie like Cameron. Now they're just going to say, let's put 3D on everything again, like they did when the last Avatar came out and and everything there's going to be stuff that's retrofitted for 3d and all that it's it's going to make a mess of movie watching again where you have to like decide every time do i want to watch the 3d version or do I watch the 2d vision i know that avatar way of water was really good i'll watch alice in wonderland 2 with the you know (laughs) 3d you know uh, so yeah (laughs) and
0: it's like i mean okay so i like the batman but even In my initial rave about that movie i said this is clearly 25 minutes too long and um it's just not it's not just avatar there's some other movie that's coming out soon that's three hours long and i'm just like i'm just over it like again in the 90s if a movie was over two hours long it seemed long like at least when i was building movies in the in the mid to late 90s everything was like hour and 45 minutes hour and 50 Mm -hmm. minutes that's a movie that's a movie. Three hours is a miniseries. God damn it. All right. Good yeah. yeah. Uh, my yeah, answer it, to this question um, was that the length of the movie definitely affects when and where I watch it. I'm not going to see mm-hmm. Black Panther Wakanda forever, which is also two hours and 40 some minutes long yeah. um, until it's on home video, even though I kind of want to see it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and it, it is trending the wrong direction. It's trending uh, longer and longer and longer.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and this was the past this past year i think it was this pa- yeah, it was this past year where it seemed like everything decided that we're going to be two and a half hours or longer for some reason and i don't understand the logic to it like there's there's some sort of new philosophy that longer is better for some reason <laughs> longer but like <laughs> uh there just seems to be i don't know it just seems to be like nobody editing anything anymore just like hey eh, you wanted it to 2 hours and 45 minutes who gives a shit we're not you know that it's almost like because there's not enough competition in theaters that studios are like okay you can have your two and a half hours who cares like yeah. that's basically what it comes down to yep. uh and and we're gonna probably see a correction of that if more if we get more and more coming out i'll be so happy
0: yes I'll be so happy <laughs> all right um Moving on. I am watching Paddington 2. What is a modern adaptation of a book movie show from your childhood that completely lived up to the warm, fuzzy memories you had?
1: I don't know if anything has ever really lived up to the feeling of whatever watching TV show, whatever TV show that I watched uh, back in the day, but I do remember quite enjoying the Brady Bunch movie. I think it was one of the first of its kind that took a property and said, we're going to take this property. We're going to call it that, but we're also going to make fun of what was going on in that show. And it's going to be, you know, everything's going to be like, you know, we're going to have, you know, Greg and Marsha have feelings for each other. And we're going to have like, you know, we're going to, we're going to make some, we're going to put some edge into this, into this thing and i remember like man i watched all the brady bunches back in the day uh Mm. and i don't i don't i don't remember like the whole series or anything but i remember that used to be a thing go home about three or four o'clock on tbs brady bunch like two or three would run and run right in a row and i watched all of them and uh and so when the brady bunch movie came out I think I had sort of grown up to it. I was like 18 when the Brady Bunch movie came out, so I was ready for a movie that made fun of the Brady Bunch, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know how well that movie particularly holds up these days uh, uh, because it's going to seem kind of quaint. But I, I kind of want to. I want to maybe want to revisit this. Somewhere.
0: I saw it a couple of years ago, and I think it holds up. The second one, which I also saw a couple of years ago, is not anywhere near as good. Uh, but the whole Greg and Marcia. Yeah are hot for each other Mm -hmm. but can't admit it which is not a joke about the show as much as it's a reference to rumors about behind the scenes of making the show but it makes the movie funnier um yeah i really like the brady bunch movie
1: that that scene that scene in brady bunch movie i I still i do still remember this one because it's the it's the scene where they're up in the same room they're they're sharing the same room and everything and You know, Marsha has this voice all the way through, you know, sure Jan, blah, 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 blah. And then there's a point where Greg like she's he talks to her through the sheet and there's like there's some like undressing going on or whatever. And he's like he's like, Marsha? And he and she's like, Yes, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) This this real throaty like thing. And it's like it just, I'm like, I can't believe we're going there, but we are. It's pretty
0: amazing. <laughs> um, I grew up watching um, <clears throat> Charlie Brown and Snoopy and the Peanuts gang. My brother uh, was yes. The You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown show. And so that music was always playing in our house that year. And uh, the specials that they have for each holiday were always big annual watches. And a few oh, yeah. years back, they came out with um, a, what looks like a digitally animated Peanuts movie. Mm-hmm. um that I didn't think got much fanfare or ado uh and when I finally saw it I thought it was really really cute and it did
1: okay
0: it kind of gave me that same kind of vibe now again it's not making fun like the Brady Bunch right. movie was um mm-hmm. and I see people mentioning the Muppets um the one with Jason Segel and that's I think the Peanuts movie does what the Muppets movie does and that it sort of recaptures some of that original magic yeah um, which gives you those Feely feels Feely mm-hmm. the dealies
1: i don't think i ever saw the peanuts movie i i watched those specials growing up uh, all the you know christmas halloween all those i saw those uh and i read the comic but i don't think i ever ever saw uh the movie so huh, may have to yeah, give that a shot
0: there's a great sequence with snoopy um delusionally in his head fighting um the red baron in a dog fight uh it's really fun man it's uh it's really cute um, I think that probably going to do it for today. On Yep. That, that
1: will do it. And man, the chat is, uh, uh, talking about all the words they can get away with saying, Oh my, yeah, Oh my. <clears throat> so many things that are, I don't know. There's so many things I don't know about this chat, by the way. Like I see occasionally a, a bot come on saying somebody yes. sworn a bunch of times and I'm like, I, I, is that a thing? I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks chat for uh, uh coming out and Thanks, uh and making it lively once again um uh, appreciate you guys coming to uh watch us every tuesday and it seemed like there were a lot of you today so yep. <clears> uh, very very happy with that um uh, next week's homework is 12 angry men 1957 12 angry men. 1957 there are de- many different versions of apparently the one they came out with like re most recently was pretty good too like Great. really good as well the one with jack so lemon yeah. and
0: Bing reams. jack lemon yeah oh, wait thing reams was nominated in the same category but wasn't in that movie i don't think
1: yeah but jack it was lemon apparently was really it was apparently really good but anyway it's the 1957 version Sidney Lumet. uh that's next week's homework anyway yep. thanks guys uh, appreciate you guys coming out we'll, we'll see, see you next time see you part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinema sins and email any comments or questions to rekatopia at cinema sins.com that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema
0: Record, I said record. It's already recorded. La 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 la. la. Wait, wait. What is it? The, what's the line Alfred Brooks says? Albert Brooks says in the broadcast news when he does the Arnold impression on the phone. Like, okay, see you in the lobbies. <laughs> oh, I
1: didn't, I didn't even remember that. <laughs> it's uh,
0: early in the movie, and he and Holly Hunter are in, in different hotel rooms. And she says he's doing an Arnold impression, but she doesn't care. And she says, "Okay, I'll see you in the lobby." Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Okay, see you in the lobby."
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the part of the movie that I don't think I'm as familiar with as like the rest of it. Like, like I'm yeah, like that movie starts for me at the the conference where they're talking about how entertainment is going to be the the main thing, and yeah. Holly Hunter is trying to argue against this this is back in 1987 you think about that i mean even even network in 1975 is talking about this entertainment being news thing being a problem yep and uh but in 1987 she's talking about like this is this news and and uh and you know (laughs) the one dominoes falling over or something right dominoes (laughs) thing and this and uh is this what we're going to be doing uh for the rest of our lives or whatever. And that one woman in the crowd's like, hopefully, something like that.
0: (laughs) I've got family coming in for the holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, There'll be nine of us here total Mm -hmm. instead of the typical two. Um, So I've been at the grocery store each of the last four days buying, socking up on some manner of something. Mm -hmm. Um, And today was alcohol. Yeah. And I like to buy those kind of like small... Coke bottle-sized, black box wines. Mm-hmm. It's like a third of a bottle, maybe. Um, <clears throat> and they have a couple of really good wines, um, but they're but they're cheap. Um, this is not the first time i bought more than one of these at Kroger in the U-Scan. But as soon as you scan any alcohol at Kroger in the U-Scan, it pauses and says, uh, Attendant is on the way because oh, yeah. uh, I, we have to make sure you're of age. Um <clears throat> At Publix, they'll let you scan everything and then just check your ID before you pay. But at Kroger, you just have to stop everything. And there's this thing they do. There's four or five different attendants that have done this, and it drives me batty. Let's say I have eight wines, eight of those wines in my cart, which I did today. They'll, They'll come over and check my ID for the one I've already scanned. Then they'll look in my cart and go, how many of those you got? Seven? And then they'll boop, 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 log into the machine, beep, boop, boop, scan one, time seven, beep, pop, doop. edit. Then they one at a time, put them, and it takes 10 times longer than if you just put my ID in and let me scan those fucking things and go home. Yep, yep. You're defeating the purpose of the U-scan. I, I know you're trying to be helpful. I get it. Like, there's somebody has taught them to do this, mm-hmm. probably because of old ladies who go through the U-scan probably. and don't understand it. Probably, But I am not that. Look, do You take one look at me, and you know I, I know how to use U-scan. This has
1: happened enough times I finally I had to, I had
0: to get it off my chest because well, it's it's such a weird specific gripe. You are but it does drive me crazy. You
1: are bringing up a thing that I like to talk a, a bitch about more than well, the same the about the same as driving. I hate fucking grocery stores. And <laughs> and I hate how they're laid out. I hate everything about them. Like I hate how uh everything is is sort of created to cause log jams in places where there shouldn't be log jams if it wasn't for the fact that you want to display some bullshit that nobody wants to buy in the middle of this one thing but the thing that happened to me on sunday and i and i and i knew better than to go to the grocery store on sunday but i had to um, i was there too uh Mm. it was like 3 or something and and uh, it was a packed house obviously everybody's got carts there's a million people everybody's got carts so and the lines are long on each register and all that that's something I can handle. The one thing that I can't handle are people who don't think that there are other people in the store. So they whip their carts around corners like there's nobody there. Like I am I was approaching the – I always approach the end of an aisle with like this I'm going to die kind of right. thing. exactly. Because I don't want somebody to run over me. I don't want to hit a kid. I don't want to do any of these type of things. But this guy comes whipping around his cart through the where the eggs and everything is, where everybody fucking is, and I'm like sitting there just going, dude, and I'm like, where the what the fuck are you thinking? What the fuck are you thinking? And I had it was another one. I I run into this often and ran into it the same day. I was in the aisle for uh, I think it was the like pet food aisle or whatever, where hardly anybody is at the Publix that I'm at. Um, and, uh, I was, I was sitting there like, okay, I got my stuff and now I'm coming out. I'm obviously coming out of the aisle, obviously doing that thing. I'm not stopping or anything. I am pushing my cart towards the edge of the aisle. This guy starts fucking walking through the, coming through the aisle with his basket. And he's like, excuse me. And I was like, I was like under my breath. I was like, fuck face, you know, I was like, (laughs) and I was hoping he heard me, um, Because it's just, you should understand that I'm coming out, and you need to wait, and then you come through the aisle after that. Like, none of this, oh, I was just coming through, and you need to get out of my way bullshit. No, I was getting out of the fucking aisle, dude.
0: The worst is that now, since the pandemic started, there's been an explosion in these, like, uh, ghost shoppers, Mm -hmm. like, like Instacart, and, like, these... Basically Uber for do, shopping for your groceries, and these people, <laughs> yeah. I can I can spot them every single time, mm-hmm. and it's both this. It's the main reason is there's this complete detachment from emotion. Yeah, as they move through the grocery store for probably the tenth time today, mm-hmm. uh, but they're also buried in their phone, looking at the goddamn list, mm-hmm. and they run into me. They run into stand up things in the aisle, and they're just they're a scourge,
1: mm-hmm. is that a word? Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> that's a yeah. Word. or scourge. I don't know if it's scourge or scourge, but it's one of those. Fuck, it's a s it's one of it's those. S c o u r g e. That's what that is. Scourge. Let's call it scourge. Well, yeah, I ran into that as well. As soon as I walked into the store, I don't think it was I I don't think it was an Instacart thing, but there was a couple. So, like, I walk in, and and you know, my first my first trip usually is through the drinks, the the soda stuff. So I go and get uh, all my various drinks at the very beginning, because those are the most cumbersome things to be putting in your cart. And so I come in and I see this one couple coming along, uh, along the edge of the aisles. And I have to, I have to go across these middle displays, but I see them and I'm like, okay, they're on the other side of those middle displays that I hate But they're on the other side of that. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to wait for them to go past so that I can go through the middle thing and go into the sodas or whatever. And so I go to that point and then this couple comes up and there's a woman trailing behind and she stops right where I'm about to turn and just looks at her phone and sits there and like, and I'm like, just pick an aisle, pick a fucking aisle and go down it. Who cares if you got the wrong one?
0: It's not surprising this is also up there with driving, because this is very much like driving. You see the same kind of people in cars, people Mm -hmm. buried in their phones, people who stop suddenly for no reason. Mm -hmm. And we saw a guy yesterday who was not in the yellow middle turn lane, but all the way over in the other ways traffic lane trying to turn left. Oh, yeah.
1: Like, (laughs) and... I was like, what you, how, how do you even process what you are <sighs> I've seen some absolutely it. outrageous shit in traffic late, re- recently. <laughs> like I, I
0: especially cuz you drive in town so much more.
1: I, I that was I, 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 I kind of ranted on the uh, BTS about this, but the uh, <laughs> I was going down Charlotte and uh there's the turn off for the interstate on 14th uh, close to downtown. Uh, that's where I'm going. I'm in the right lane, and there's a car I noticed in my rearview mirror that's definitely one of those I've got to be ahead of everybody. Cars weaving in and out of traffic, basically. And he finally gets up to my bumper, and and he has no place to go. Um, and uh, and he, you know, he's it's one of those where they'll they'll test lanes. Just they'll get over in the left lane for no reason, expecting it to be faster or something like that, and it, it isn't. Well, that's what this guy did. He gets over in the left lane, and it's not going faster. So, what does he do? He gets in the middle turning lane on the other side, on the le- on the left side, the middle turning lane between the where the traffic's going back and forth. He passes people on that lane, and then comes back over into the left lane, and then he finally gets back over. But guess what? He just got over one car to do that because he's just in fr- he's directly in front of me. He's directly in front of me. I'm like, what? You went through all of that trouble and possibly could have gotten in a wreck just to get one <laughs> car ahead? You fucking guys think just for one fucking second? Just one fucking second.
0: Aaron, are you listening? Do you want to build a snowman? I told you, I showed you a picture yesterday. We saw a, a car on the road, a 67 Lincoln Continental, um, that was that had a 1983 Tennessee license plate and tag. Mm-hmm. And I I I was mind blown for hours. Like I half expected to see him get pulled up. We were right beside each other for about two miles. I expected him to get pulled over any moment. Like I got pulled over for expired tags, but mine were 2001 tags, yeah, <laughs> 1983 tags. Mm-hmm. And so my wife and I were having fun making up stories about how this has occurred and the most logical one was was my choice which is not fun which is that this is probably a keepsake car and his day-to-day car has gone kaput on him this morning and he has to get to work or wherever he's going so he had to he has to drive this old car and simply doesn't have updated tags my wife thinks he's been in a coma for 40 years and that's a much more enjoyable uh story to think about mm-hmm. um but yeah I'm 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 regretting not like flagging him down and yelling what's up with your <laughs> license plate <laughs> that's uh,
1: that's uh, that's a Seinfeld episode waiting to happen that's that's one of those they've already done they already did the the way too long drive to prove a point episode and uh, yeah. and the, the way too long drive to chase after somebody they thought they had a, had flipped them the finger they've done those they did two of those but there would yeah. be another one just to because it it's such a Seinfeld thing. I was talking about that episode the other day, the one about the woman who wears the same dress, like yes. it, <laughs> and and like she. It gets to the point in all these Seinfeld episodes where he eventually breaks up with them because, or she breaks up with him because he's such an asshole or whatever. Or there's some misunderstanding, and he doesn't even care about the breakup. He's just like, he's just like, he's like, do one more thing before you go. Why do you wear the same dress all the time? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <He laughs> you, the you can't break up with me over the phone. Why do you wear the same dress all
0: the time? <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, man. Oh, man. I love the conversation he and George have, too, where. George is like, well, maybe you caught her on the end of a laundry cycle, yeah. and, and you know she's washed it. And he's like, well, well, then wouldn't it show up at the end of the cycle? <laughs> yeah. and it's like maybe she bumped it up in the rotation.
1: Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe she bumped it up in the rotation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that it never answers it. Yeah. Uh, if they did, if they did an episode about this license plate, they would probably never answer.
1: Yeah. It.